Good evening. It's really nice to see everyone. It's been a, a great day of worship this evening. I think too often we focus on ourselves and uh, we go day by day and the world just, we revolve this world around us and what happened to us. And it's so nice to just take a day that's not about me, it's not about what happened last week or the failures I might have done. It's about, it's about God and how great of a God He is. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. It's going to be our main text today, tonight. And if you want, turn over there. Psalm 37. Now it says, verse 1, Do not fret when wicked men seem to succeed. It's too easy to live life, uh, you know, and to think negatively, to live life on level one, or to just do nothing. This lifestyle leads to complaining and believing that no matter what seems to happen, we're in this lose-lose situation. We can't get on top. That's what we'll tell ourselves. And it doesn't matter what we do, our situation is still this lose-lose. And so how do we change that? How do we turn a lose-lose into a a win-win, if you will? Well, we we might complain and say it doesn't matter what we do, our position still leads to this losing position. But that's what we always do, is it not? We always look into the future, not realistically, but searching for certainty, wanting and desiring answers that prepare us for the future, as if that's actually going to do something. But because we can't see in the future, we end up making assumptions and predictions that rarely come true and are usually extremes from our current point of view. And so we end up missing the mark and instead allowing our minds to just wander and to worry and fear. And this can become very dangerous for us and lead a lot of negativity into our lives. Psalm 37, like I said, is going to be our main text this evening. So if you haven't turned over there, turn with me. Now Psalm 37 deals with this concept and I believe can be a great help to us in turning this lose-lose into a a win-win. Now, we're not going to cover the whole psalm since it is rather long, but we will cover the first 11 verses. So read with me, starting in verse 1. It says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be be no more. And though you look carefully in his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Look at verse 4. It says, delight in the Lord. What a unique statement. Has anyone ever told you that, to delight in the Lord? I mean, if they have, that's great. But that's just not something we hear someone tell someone else all the time. But if you think about it, in a lose-lose situation, that's exactly what we need to hear. You see, the Lord isn't someone who is out to get us or to hide in terror from. 
Instead, he's the exact opposite. God is someone to take refuge in and to delight in. And it's in him that we should find this enjoyment. So how do we delight in the Lord? Right? How do we delight in the Lord? Since that sounds like something we want, it says if we delight in the Lord, God will give us the desires of our heart. There in the second half of verse 4. You see, the thing is, you can't have verse 4 if verse 3 isn't a part of your life. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Do we know how to trust? Think about that. Do we know how to trust? How many people do we trust because of all the evil actions that they do? I imagine not many people. It's not fun living in a world where we can't trust other people. That's where terror and fear come into play and we're always looking over our shoulder. Delight is not found in that type of lifestyle. Delight is found when we can trust one another, when we can trust God, and a part of that is doing what is good. Now, perhaps you were able to be here uh, or can recall a lesson from a couple weeks ago where we looked at a text from Habakkuk regarding the problems that we face. In Habakkuk 2, verse 4, God says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So their integrity is to live by faith. Now, if you notice in the second half of Psalm 37, verse 3, it says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I want you to notice that word befriend. That's an action. That's a, that's a verb. That means we have to actually go out and live it and seek it. See, friendships, friendships don't grow because we live in the same area or we come across each other. Friendships start to flourish because, and really become a necessary part of our life because we take the time and effort to get to know that other person. It's getting to know that individual for who they are and what they believe as we experience this life with them, right? Not only do we get to experience life with them, but we, we share each other's feelings as we experience life together. See, befriending faithfulness can take on this same type of action. In our faithfulness, it begins to grow and strengthen after we've taken an effort to know Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And then we begin to live life and apply it in places that help us mature and better understand our God. And it's in this way of befriending faithfulness and doing what is good and trusting in God that we find the light in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. And so if you read Psalm 37 verse 3 again, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Now, delighting in the Lord doesn't stop there. Those good actions that we do, those good actions that we take, but we must also commit them to God. Look at verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. What are we committing to the Lord? What are we committing to God? Did Cain, for example, what did he commit to, to God? Turn with me to Genesis 4. Genesis 4. We looked at this this morning. Nate had referenced Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 6. And here, Cain and Abel are, are sacrificing to God. And for those who don't know, Cain and Abel are the children of Adam and Eve. And starting in verse 3 of Genesis 4, it says, Now, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. 
And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, then sin is crouching at your door. Desire is for you. You must rule over it. See, Cain committed an unfit sacrifice. He did the opposite of what is good. Are we committing to the Lord the easy parts of our life? Are we committing to the Lord the parts that we don't really care about or the parts that we may take for granted? See, this of course resulted in Cain fretting and turning to wrath and anger and allowing this to boil up in his soul. He ended up murdering his brother Abel if we continue reading. In a lose-lose situation, our future can often look really grim. But if you look at what it says there in verse 5 of Psalm 37, it says, commit your way to the Lord. I want you to put emphasis there on way. Other versions might say future. In Hebrew, that word way means a course of life, moral character, one's journey. It's important to understand that we are committing our life to God. Now, can we forget God in times of uncertainty? We can. We can if we're just not certain about God's ability. If we're not first ready for God, well, then there's a good chance that he won't act. You see, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare our field. If you notice, for example, Jesus didn't always prove to the Pharisees his divinity. When they would ask Jesus to prove that he is God, he would often abstain. And we see an example of that in Matthew 16. You're more than welcome to turn to Matthew 16 with me. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 3. And it says, starting in verse 1, And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you will say, It is fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. You see, instead, Jesus provided miracles for those who had actually taken action and befriended faithfulness. Look at the latter half of that verse in verse 5 of Psalm 37. It says, Trust in Him, and He will act. When in doubt, trust in God. That should be our motto moving into the future. This is how we have confidence in God that he will see us through in times of uncertainty. And as humans, you know, we can only see so far into the future. Our eyes have this barrier. But God, of course, being of spiritual nature, he can see far beyond in the future than what our physical eyes or our physical brains can predict. We have to come to grips with that understanding. You think about it, how can one not believe in a God, and rather, they just rely on themselves? As humans, we are are so flawed. Just because we can't see a way out doesn't mean that God can't see a way out. See, God sees all things. Psalm 121, verses 2 through 3, says, My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. A lose-lose situation, it doesn't last forever. 
By doing what is right, as we learned in verse 3, he will, he will bring forth our righteousness as a light there in verse 6. It is on the righteousness of God that we can stand and we can commit our future to him. What I love about this chapter is it points right at the human heart. I don't think we can live in this digital age or even this age of information and not be bombarded by other people's complaints and frustrations. We might even catch ourselves often saying, oh, that's so frustrating, and then proceed to complain about something, right? Now, of course, we can't stop there. The whole world has to hear our complaints, right? They have to know how we feel. Why? Because it helps solve our problems, right? It helps, you know, clear our mind and better see avenues of escape in uncertain times, right? No, absolutely not. But that's what our brains tell us. If we fret, well, then we won't be as upset, right? But that's just not true at all. That's why the Word of God is here. And it speaks truth to us when our minds tell us lies. What we should do is we should, we should take our complaints to God and express them and examine them there before we go to those who are not God and have different opinions than ourselves. Drop down, look at verse 8. Verse 8. It says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Now, that's obviously old English. I know it doesn't have any of these or thous, but nobody speaks that way anymore. I don't go up to Sam and say, fret not yourself. It's just not, <laughs> it's not what people do. That's for Yoda. But <laughs> another version might just be clear by saying, do not fret, period. That only leads to trouble. And this, that, that is so plain. It's so simple. It's something that we can just never get enough of. And like the Bible says, fretting leads to, to anger and wrath. And over a period of time, fretting can boil up the soul into trouble. Fretting is it's that barrier between our commitment and our delight to the Lord. Remember what Cain, we just looked at moments ago? He allowed these things to boil up in his soul, and he ended up making really regrettable decisions. Every good leader will tell you, in a lose-lose situation, in a stressful situation, fretting is the worst possible thing you can do. This very concept, if you think about it, of not fretting, is backed by the Bible, by science, by psychology. And yet, for some reason, and as humans, fretting has become our default. Now, abstaining from frustration isn't something that we're born with. It's something that is learned. I know that this verse kind of goes against the grain, right? It doesn't tell us what to do. I know for some reason in today's world we like to be told what to do. I, I think it's probably because we don't know what to do. But in this case, there are times when we need to be told what not to do. And God is telling us that this is his word. And his word was here before science and psychology and anything else that he created because it's true. And it's that simple. His word is true. Now, fretting, as most of us know, leads to chaos. The opposite of fretting is peace. It's this, this sense of calm. If we look at our last point tonight, verse 7. Look with me at verse 7 of Psalm 37. It says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. See, fretting can take on this sense of quickness and speed. Not in the way that makes us smooth or better, 
but rather more flustered by our environment around us. It's almost like an illusion, if you think about it. When we fret, we become more flustered, and it seems like you know, something is happening or we're getting something done. That's just not the case at all. Instead, it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. See, wait patiently. What are we waiting patiently for? Are we waiting patiently for something to happen, someone to intervene, a door to open, a door to close, a problem to be resolved? No. We're waiting patiently for Him, for God. He's the one that makes things happen. He's the one that gets things done. He's the one that opens and closes doors. And when we are in a lose-lose situation, God is, God is the one that gets things done. He's the one that gets us out. And He is our rescuer. And if we are faithful, He is our rescuer now and into the future. Being still can oftentimes make us, though, more anxious. Can it not? If we think about those times when we are still, all the atheists and agnostics will agree that patience is important and that it's useful. But, but what are they patient for? Right? What are they waiting for? In the calm of the storm, as they wait, how do they get rid of this anxiousness and worry for the future? Well, this is how we can get out of the storm as Christians, how we can combat this angst in the calm of the storm. In a lose-lose situation, we have the ability to be still and calm at the same time because our future is committed to the Lord. It's hard for us to understand that sometimes. It's hard for us to understand that patience is a tool. When we sit and wait, it seems like nothing is getting done. Patience, however, can be used, and it can be used strategically. There will be many times in our life where we will have no choice but to just wait on God. And if we have befriended faithfulness, well, then we should be confident in our wait that things are getting done. I know that we don't like change. When we think about change... However, change is throughout creation. It's a part of our life. Change happens both physically and spiritually throughout our lives and in the events that we go through. Now, everything is constantly changing, and we can either change for the good or we can change for the bad. God is that movement of change in the world. We can either try to do it ourselves and guarantee failure, or we can wait on Him, confident that He will take care of us. Look at verses 10 and 11. It says, In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. And though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Delighting in the Lord is delighting in abundant peace. Not just a little bit of peace. Not just peace in that moment, but abundant peace. If we are committed to the Lord, well then we will experience peace throughout, peace and abundance throughout our future. I don't want you to leave tonight thinking that if you're in a lose-lose situation, you're going through some hard times, that there's no hope. Because there is. I hope that Psalm 37 is a comfort to you and continues to be a reminder for all of us as we journey through the changes in our life. It's just a fact of life that we will go through some changes. Some situations may seem hopeless, but with God, they're not. See, God says we should delight in the Lord, and we should commit our future to Him. In the end, it's really all about Him. It's not about us. Right? We don't fret because nothing good comes of it. And we keep our positivity as we wait 
on him. These are action points of continual practice and meditation as we walk in our faith. And if tonight you're needing a way out, or if you feel stuck, well, God can rescue you. Right? He gave us his son, Jesus, to pull us out of our sin and our torment, to give us assurance and a brighter future. Acts 22.16 says, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. There is no need to wait on yourself. Jesus has already come. He's come for you. Psalm 37.39 says, The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. So take delight. Take delight in the Lord now. And if you're desiring to accept Jesus' invitation to be saved, for the forgiveness of your sins, come forward while we stand and we sing. Glad to have each one of y'all here again tonight. Um, once again, if you're a visitor, you're a welcome guest, and we'd love to be able to chat with you more.